Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Hey, I'm doing double duty this morning. So I was filling in for a friend of mine who's um, a pastor friend whose mom passed away. So trying to fit two services in and I made it but I was talking to traffic so thank you guys for for putting up with me um, um, this morning um, I'm going to go ahead and start off in in scripture and hi how you doing <laughs> actually I breathed just a second Whew. man I was talking to some of those cars it's like you ever like get going down the road and like you got somewhere to go and, like, there's three Toyota Priuses in the fast lane going 50 miles an hour. Right? And I'm like, sweet Jesus. Like, like, like beam them up. Do something. Just move them out of my way. Right? I just had enough of it. Right? But anyway, I made it here. Thank you, Jesus. And I, I beat the, um, what do you call, Siri gives you directions, the navigation thing. I beat it by two minutes. <laughs> She, I proved her wrong. So anyway, I, I, I was, might have, yeah, I was speeding. So anyway, no one's ever done that before. Will, you're right. I'm going to talk about messing up. <laughs> Thank you for that. Some, most of places, yeah, yeah. And that's why you should drive fast in the fast lane. If, Right. Anyway, Jeremiah 29, 20, or 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, now listen to this one more time. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Declares who? The Lord plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. If you're reading in your King James Version, it says, I know the thoughts that I think about you. I mean, you guys know God thinks about you. Isn't that cool? I, like, I only think about two things, you know, like, like I think about my wife. You know, oh, you're so precious. I think about my kids. Sometimes I think they're precious, right? I think about, you know, good things, but then sometimes I think about bad things too. And I think a lot of times we think that God's thinking bad things about us. Like, but he's not. The Bible talks about that he has the, every hair of our head numbered. For some of us, it's easier to count than others, right, Well. Like my friend Teddy Bear, I'm always teasing him because like he takes his hat off and I'm like, I should have worn my sunglasses because it's like he's got like no hair, right, at all. And like that's just like, anyway. But God's got your, the hairs of your head numbered and he loves you mightily and he's thinking about you and he's thinking good things for you. And the Bible says that he has plans for you. And you're like, yeah, I know what plans he has. It's like that cow I got out in the pasture. I'm feeding that sucker up, and guess where it's going? Its name's Ribeye, 
right? That's what we think. We think, well, God's just feeding us and blessing us because he's getting ready to eat us. So he don't really have good plans for us. And that's not true at all because God's got great plans for us because he loves us. Do you guys hear what I'm talking about? He thinks about us. He's got plans for us. The Bible says to give us peace and hope and a future. A future means that we survive, right? Hope means we have promises. He wants to do great things in our heart and he wants to do great things in our life. And he just wants us to trust him. And so a lot of times we got to get out of this mentality. We think God's this big, bad ogre with the baseball bat waiting to beat us every time we mess up. We all mess up. I'm better at it than any of you. Ask my wife. Right? And you know what? I keep waiting for her to figure out that I'm right all the time. And she ain't got it figured out yet. I mean... But the point is, is God wants to do great things in our lives. And so much of the time, we don't allow him to because we don't think that he thinks good things about us or we don't think good things about us. Like Pastor James, now you're meddling. Yes, I am, and I'm getting ready to meddle deeper. Numbers, chapter 13, verse 1, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites for each ancestral tribe. Send one of its leaders. So at the Lord, so at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. And it lists their names. Like these 12 dudes, God's like, I'm going to send them out and they're going to go, go check the promised land out. And they're going to bring back a report. And then it gets their names. You think if your name's in the Bible, it's a good thing, right? Not always, right? At least James is good. It's King James in the Bible. Well, that's the name of the Bible. And that's my version. Anyway, so it gives the names and it says, These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. And then when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And then it says, It was a season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land. And then it tells you all the places where they just, they, they explored it from the desert of Zan as far as Rehab toward Labo Hamath. They went up from the Gev and came to Hebron and Ahaman and Sheshay and Talmai and the descendants of Anak lived there. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And when they reached the valley of Eskel, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eskel because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And it says this, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh 
in in the at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for just being so gracious to us. I ask that you speak through me this morning, and Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's happening is, here's the Israelites, and and I want to tell a story. I'll close this for a minute. I'll open it back up. I got my bookmark. Got your bookmark? So here they are. They have already come from being slaves. Like, they were slaves for over 400 years in Egypt. Can you imagine? 400 years they prayed to God. God, save us. God, get us out of here. God, take us out of Egypt. Take us out of slavery. Take us out of bondage, right? And then God saves them with his outstretched arm and with his kindness and with his goodness. He saves them, right? How does he save them? He saves them through the plagues and then by the blood of a lamb. The Passover lamb, which is representative actually uh, to us as being saved, right? So it's like us, when we get saved, a lot of people are like, you know what? The, the Old Testament's done, you can throw it away. But I want to tell you, if the Old Testament's done, there's no Messiah. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Old Testament confirms and, and reveals the Messiah who's to come in the New Testament. And so we got to take it all as we can. But there's a picture of Jesus being unveiled in in the Torah right here and he's saying he's like when they brought him out uh, of Egypt and he brought him out with his outstretched hand right he brought him out with his strong arm and he brought him out with the blood of the Passover lamb and that's what we were brought out of the slavery to sin once I was a rotten sinner with no hope and then Jesus come and he saved me once and for all by the blood of a perfect sacrifice lamb whose name is Yeshua. And so here they are. They've been saved, right? They've been brought out of Egypt. Now they get saved and you think, woohoo, all's great, right? No. They're in the desert, right? So now they're in the desert and they're going towards the Red Sea, right? And as they're going towards the Red Sea, guess what? The dudes that they just got saved from, they're chasing them, right? So now they get to the Red Sea and there's water. And the ferry is late. <laughs> Ever try to go to one of the islands, man, and you get up there and, and there's this big long line and the ferry's running behind. You can't cross. Dude, they weren't just at the water, but they got an army chasing them and they're closing in and they thought they were going to die. And then God opened up the Red Sea. It's a, it's, um, it's a symbol of baptism. Like, we don't just do baptisms because one day we thought John was at the river and said, hey, why don't we dunk you and call it baptizing? 
right? It's actually a Jewish, it, it was a Jewish um, commandment that they do, and it comes from a mikvah, which represented that you die to yourself and you come up to new life. Every priest, before he'd go into the temple, would have to go into the mikvah, and they'd have to, to, to dunk themselves. Women would go in, and they would cleanse themselves, and they would come up. It wasn't something new. But where did it come from? Well, what happened in the Red Sea? Here there's water. Here the enemy is chasing them. Here it looks like there's no, no hope, right? And God parts the Red Sea. And do you know what they had to do? They had to cross it. Can you imagine? They're like, yeah, he opened up and they just went through. I mean, put yourself in that spot. That had to be scary, right? Because you got water walled off. You know what I mean? Some people say, well, it was only like this deep, you know, and I was like, well, wow, so what? That means that all the armies drowned in this deep of water. That's even a bigger miracle, right? That I believe that it parted and it went back and it says that it didn't just part, but it, they walked across on dry ground. So when we get baptized, what are we doing? We're dying to ourselves. We're saying that old man's gone. I'm no longer a slave. All those things that are chasing me, all those things that are coming at me, they're dead and gone, and now I am free. And the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So here they come through on baptism, right? They come through the Red Sea. They get to the other side, and God is literally a shade to them. The Bible says there's a pillar of cloud by day. Why would I need that? They're in the desert. Right? Anybody ever been to the desert? It's really, really hot in the day. And then guess what happens at night? It gets really, really cold, right? So it goes from really hot to really cold. So here, God's a pillar of fire by day or by night. It's keeping them warm. It's guiding them. It's taking them where they need to go and leading them by a pillar of cloud by day. He's their shade. He's their everyone. He who abides under the shadow of the Almighty, I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge. You guys hear, hear what God's saying? So here, here they are. They're, they're, they've gone through and now God's literally covering them. He's keeping them cool and He's keeping them warm. And then they're hungry, man. So do you know what He does? He just makes food appear out of nowhere. Everyone says, well, something that's not going to come out of nowhere. You know what? Yes, it does sometimes. Yes, it does. It did right then and right there. God spoke a word in this world come into existence. Do you hear what I'm saying? I did that one time. I was in chewing school, and, and I was hungry, and I didn't have any money, and so I set the table. And I was like, we're going to believe God. Well, that's not a good idea. Yeah, it is. I ain't gonna, we ain't got nothing to eat. So I thanked him for the food and I waited. It was like 15 minutes and I was like, boy, this wasn't a good idea. I started to get up and there's a knock on the door. Another kid that was an assistant instructor lived in the room not far from me. He goes, hey, I just got back from the grocery store and I have like all these groceries extra and I don't know what to do with them. So here you are. Who is that? God provided manna. He'll provide for your needs in ways that you never, ever dream or expect, right? It's, he's already got the provision for you, even if you don't see it. You hear what I'm talking about? So we can trust 
him. So here God's bringing manna out. He's providing for them, right? He, they're walking with him. They're in relationship with him, right? They're going to where he's promised them to go. So guess what? They're saved. They're baptized. They're walking with God. And now God says, okay, you know what? Do you ever get comfortable? Like, I got pretty comfortable. I was getting real comfortable, and then God stretched me more these last four months than he's ever stretched me in my life, coming through through when I was sick and then getting out of that. And then he's like, oh, by the way, here's a bunch of horses. When you get stretched, sometimes God's blessings will stretch you, and it'll grow you. And, the, and it comes back to that, that saying that I always think about is, do I want to be comfortable or do I want to grow? And sometimes growing means I got to trust God to step out of my comfort zone and go where he's called me to go. And when I do that, great things are going to happen because he's with me. You guys hear what I'm talking about? So now they're going and God's like, okay, I want you to go in the promised land. So they send 12 spies. And the 12, 12 of them go in, 10 of them come back and they're like, yeah, here's the grapes. Like they had to carry it out on poles with two people like they killed a moose. Right? The land's fertile. The land's great. The land looks good. But they're given a bad report. And they're saying, we can't do it. But one guy, two guys actually, Joshua and Caleb, they stand up and this is what Caleb says here. He says, in Caleb silence the people he's like shut up what's the matter with you guys then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it he's like God gave us this now there's giants in the land and and there's Jebusites and Hittites here and this there and it's not going to be easy but God said I could do it and if God said it it must be true but, now usually in the Bible I like the word but. Because it's usually but God. But here it's not a but God. It says this, but don't let your but get in the way of God's blessings. Amen? But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim, from Anak that come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. You know what they're saying? They come in here and they see these big giants and they see this great land. They say, we got this land, but there's giants in it. Right? A lot of times God will send us places where there's giants and when there's obstacles that look impossible. But to me, that tells me that God's in it because there ain't God's not going to send me to do something that I can do in my own strength because I wouldn't need him anyway. Caleb and Joshua, bring it on, God. These other guys, are, well, we can't do it. You know, we looked at, at these giants and they, we, looked at, we looked at ourselves and we looked like grasshoppers. 
Now, see, I just come back from Montana, and they have a drought over there right now. But on top of the drought, they're having locusts, and grasshoppers are eating everything up. So you could look at the grasshoppers, it's kind of the perspective of how you look at it too. You could look at a little grasshopper and say, that's just a little dude. But when they get their buddies, buddy, watch out, right? In fact, wasn't one of the plagues grasshoppers that just wiped everything out? Now watch this. So the Bible says one can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000. The Bible also said that Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. What's the difference between Saul and David? Saul depended on his own strength and David worked with other people. And he leaned on God, had a heart for God. So here here all these, we look at these grasshoppers and it looks like they're just flooding in. And so they're thinking, man, I'm just a grasshopper in their sight. But they forgot there's a bunch of other guys with them, right? So you could look at it that way. A lot of us look at the obstacles we're facing nowadays. There's a lot of turmoil going on in this planet right now. A lot of scary stuff going on. Everybody's wanting to save us, right? The medical people, the government, it doesn't matter who. But the Bible says some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to put your hope in? There's nothing here that's going to save you. There's nothing on this world that can save you. We are saved because of the promises that God has given us. And I'm going to put my hope in what he says. I'm not going to be stupid. But I'm going to put my trust and hope in him. Rather than this world. Hear what I'm saying? The government can't save us. Like they can't even balance their checkbook. Right? Republicans or Democrats, it don't matter, right? They're not going to save us. But God will. And God has. And God's provided a way if we'll just trust Him, right? You know, when I was in, in Montana, there's this little grasshopper. And they told me that this special type of grasshopper has, can jump higher than the average house. A little grasshopper. I was like, well, how can that be? And they said, well, two reasons. Number one, it has really strong legs on the hind end. And the second reason is the average house can't jump. <laughs> I'll go on. Unless there's an earthquake, right? So another interesting thing about a grasshopper is, you know, a grasshopper listens. Its ears are on its belly. It hears on its belly. And it, it was quite interesting to me that they saw themselves as grasshoppers because what do we do when we're listening to the earth? We're listening to what's around us. Like they're listening. That's why they can hear you. You can't sneak up on a grasshopper because they can hear your steps, right? And by the way, our steps, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And he says he gives us everywhere that our footsteps, man. God had already given them that land. And they got there. But that grasshopper see, and they're so focused on the earth that they can't see what is going on around them. And as in believers in Jesus, how many of us get so focused on what the news is saying or our friends saying or someone else is saying that, that we don't really hear what God's saying. God didn't create us to be 
earthly minded, but to be heavenly minded, right? The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have a great God that does great things. He did miracles and he's still doing miracles. He's not up there panicking and saying, oh my God, I didn't know this was going to happen here and I didn't know that was going to happen there. And I was like, I don't know what to do and I don't have time to deal with your stuff. Not at all. He's like, I already got a plan for you. But are you going to trust me in it? Are you going to trust what I say? Or are you going to keep listening and hearing what's coming from the earth? And one of my mentors always he changed my life, not just in how I think about, about myself and about God, but how I trained horses too, because it was inside out, upside down. And I've shared that several times. But it, it goes from a beat down mentality I gotta do right I gotta do this I gotta do that to living from my heart living from the inside out you see these guys were saved these guys were baptized these guys were walking with God but they still hadn't got that slave mentality out of their brain and it cost them their lives. And it cost them going into the promised land. When God already had prepared a way. God's made all the provision. And we can be like Jacob. Or not Jacob. We can be like Caleb. And we can be like Joshua and say, you know what? I'm going. I'm going right into the promised land. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your promises. I know... There's someone's out there. They're like, yeah, Pastor James, I just heard you. You're like, that's in the Old Testament. Tell me where that's at in the New Testament because I won't believe it if it's not New Testament. Okay, great question. You, these guys are on it today. I got you covered. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Whoa, what's grace and peace? Grace is undeserved unmerited favor means you didn't do nothing to get it and you ain't going to do nothing to keep it. Listen, you didn't earn your salvation and you don't have the power in yourself to keep it. It is a gift from God. It's a gift alone and it comes because of a sacrifice that comes through Jesus. That's undeserved. It's unmerited. And then peace. What is peace? It's shalom. In Hebrew it means completeness. It actually, if you break it down more, it means there's nothing missing. There's nothing broken. Everything you ever needed or ever going to need, you're going to find in him. And the Bible says that it comes in us, right? The kingdom of God is near you. It's even in us, right? That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Greater is he that is in, within me than he that is in the world. Where is he putting the focus on? In me. Right? In me. The wind don't like that. It's okay. The wind blows. 
Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power. His what? His what? I couldn't hear you guys. What is it? Whose divine power? God's divine power has given us everything we need. Whoa. How did it come? Through His power. That just gets me when I think about the 12 spies. Is they seen God's d divine power. they seen His deliverance like probably not many people who have ever walked the face of this earth. But it wouldn't come down to going where God sent them. They backed up. They shrunk back. I don't want to be a shrinking. Right? I do like to shrink. I need to shrink a little bit, but not that way. Right? When it comes to going to Him, I want, with Him, I want to go forward, right? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate through what? The promises. You participate in what? In the divine nature and you escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Now, the Bible, Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart. There's good desires. There's good things at the wrong time too, right? But God gives us the desires. There's evil desires too, but God's not talking about that. He's talking about he gives us good things and then we're focused inward and we're focused on him and focused on his promises and we're not going to be going off on crazy tangents because where you're looking is where you're going to drive. I promise you, when I get my car, it doesn't matter. Wherever I look, my car goes there, right? So that's when I'm driving. I can't look all over the place. So it says this, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure and you do, it's inside you. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't bring that up. It's already inside you. Now watch. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind. What is like a nearsighted? He can't see where he's going. Like, might as well be blind. And watch this. And has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. How much of us at times forget that God paid a price? That Jesus paid a price? That the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he's removed our sins. 
Don't forget that. Don't let no one take that from you. You're as saved as you are ever going to be the moment you accept Jesus. Now we grow in that. Go back. Go back to that very first moment. Don't try to earn God's love. Don't try to earn his stuff because he already gave it to us and none of us deserved it. And he says this, Therefore, my brothers, and if it says therefore in the Bible, we always ask, what's it there for? Be all more eager to make your calling and election, election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fail. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know something? You don't have to wait till you go to heaven to have fellowship with God. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to operate in His kingdom and to live in His kingdom because it lives inside you. Turn your heart into where God is and how God created you and how God's provided all this stuff for it. Put your trust in Him and watch what He will do. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen? If you're not watching and you don't know Jesus or you're running from Jesus or you're hurt, I'm so sorry that you got hurt. I want to tell you something. God didn't do it to you. People stink sometimes. But God loves you. God loves you so much he sent his son. And he says, come home. He said, come to me. You are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. He'll take that yoke. To say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you. Let us know you said that prayer. We'd really love, love to pray with you or help you anyway. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather here. Thank you for every person here. Thank you for the sunshine and for the shade. But thank you that you are making a way that we have supernatural protection over this body and over our families, Father God, that you're making a way in people's lives where it seems impossible, Father God. And Father, you're calling people who are comfortable into impossible situations because that's when we can really see you move. So we thank you for that. We thank you for your peace and your hope and your goodness. And we just love you for that. In the mighty name of Yeshua, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.